Let's dive into the Word of God today. We are a church that loves the Word of God, right? So we're going to dive in the Scripture. So if you would, grab your Bible, uh, grab your device, and we're going to dive into the Word of God. You know, Eugene was talking about Memorial Day weekend. I was reminded of this story I heard about this uh, pastor who, after service was over, the multiple services he'd done that day, he was walking out into the foyer, and he saw this young man standing before this plaque in he had this bewildered look on his face, and the pastor asked the young man, he says, you know, is everything okay? And the young man looked up at this plaque, and he pointed at it, and he says, what in the world is this? And the pastor said, well, this is a memorial that we have made here at the church to honor all of those that have died in the service. Well, this looked at the, the young man, his, this scared look came on his face, and the pastor said, are you okay? And the young man said, well, pastor, was it the the nine o'clock service or is it the 11 o'clock service? And so he, he kind of missed what that was about there. But uh, I, I pray that uh, here today that um, you're going to be revived today, amen. You're going to walk out of this service today more alive than when you came in in Jesus' name, amen. We believe in Isaiah chapter 55, when the word of God goes forth, it will not return void. How many of y'all believe that? So no matter how you came into this service today, we're going to believe you're going to, we believe you're going to leave better off in Jesus' name. If you came in depressed, we believe you're going to leave with some joy today. Anybody with me today? Come on, if you came looking for some answers, we believe you're going to receive them today. Anybody need some answers today? Come on, if you came in sick today, we believe that because of the word of God, you're going to leave healed in Jesus' name. Come on, we're going to, if you came in and need some restoration, we're going to believe you're going to receive that restoration today. Amen? Come on, we believe if you came in ugly, you're going to leave better looking in Jesus' name. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, there's still hope for you yet. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. We can come here in this place today. We thank you for what you're doing here at Victory Center Church, here in Guyman, here in this region, Lord God, of the nation. And Lord, ultimately across the globe, as, as the ministry that takes place here is not about just what takes place in this sanctuary on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half, but Lord, it's about what takes place seven days a week, Lord God. So, Lord, as we dive in now to the Scriptures, you've given me a message to bring to each and every one that's hearing my voice right now. So, Lord, I thank you for the grace that's upon me for this moment and for this hour to bring this message today, Lord God. So, Lord, I ask this, that you give us all the ears to hear what you're speaking, Lord, the eyes to see what you want us to see in the Scriptures today. And, Lord, just as importantly, the ability to wrap our mind around this principle and apply it to our life. So, Lord, we give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say it with me. Amen. I want you to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. How many of y'all was with us last Sunday? Let me just see some hands. How many of y'all was in the service last Sunday? I know some of you are like, was I here or not? Yeah, no, come on. I know a lot has happened since then. Uh, for those of you that are like, you can't remember, uh, Pastor Margaret brought a great message about possessing your land possessing your land. And I want to just pick up off of that thought here this morning. I want us to look at Exodus chapter 3, to look at something just again to set the tone for what I believe the Lord is speaking today. Verse 7, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. It says this, and the Lord told, told him, he says, I have certainly seen, this is God speaking to Moses, he says, I have seen, have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. He says, I have heard their cries of distress because of the harsh slave drivers. Now, if you kind of just to set the tone for this, God's people are in bondage. They are in slavery. They are in a bad spot, okay? So God, he begins to pour out his plans for his chosen people. 
Now, how many of y'all love God today? How many of y'all are the people of God today? Let me, let, me, let me see some hands. Amen? Well, in the same way, I want you to know that God's got plans for you and I here today. He's got plans for this church today. Even in this new season that we're in, God has got a plan. Everybody say, God's got a plan. Look at verse 8. He goes on and says this. He says, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians to lead them. Two key words in this, just what I just read, to rescue them and to lead them. To rescue and to lead. I want you to know Jesus is here to rescue you, not just to rescue you, but to lead you today. Amen? Come on, as a church, he's here to rescue us and then to what else? To lead us. Amen? To lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land, say it with me, flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, the, the Jebusites, all those ites there. In other words, there was a place that God wanted to take them that would be their own. There was a place what we know as the promised land. Now, this is what I need us to understand. I just, uh, there's, 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 you know, I've got a lot to say, but a short time to get there. So I, I, I don't want to dwell on this too long, but this is what I need to understand, that God's got a promise for you. Come on, God's got a promise for us. Wherever you're at right now in life, you may be at a great place in your life right now. You may be at a challenging place in your life. Wherever you're at right now, I, I want us to understand that God has got a promise for you. Amen? Come on, God's got a promise for your your home. He's got a promise for your marriage. He's got a promise for you as an individual. God's got a promise for us as a church. And when Pastor Charlie transitioned to heaven here back January 1, how many of you know the plans of God? Man, that, that didn't change the plans of God. Come on, the plans of God are all good, right? So we, if we understand this, that God has a promise for us, I know that there are many that are hearing my voice right now. Man, life has dealt you a hard hand. You have struggled with some stuff. You struggled with some things. You may be in a challenging moment right now, but I want you to know that God still has a promise for you and I today. Amen. Come on, look at somebody beside you. Tell them, God has got a promise for me. Those of you that know me, I've been, you know, back in November of 1977 is whenever uh, Pastor Margaret and Pastor Charlie started Victory Center Church. Man, I was only 10 years of age at that time. So there are some of y'all that are sitting here in this sanctuary. I've known you for a long, 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 long time. And if you look at me and see my gray sideburn, you're like, man, he's showing some age. For those you know me for a long time, that means you're really showing some age today, if you know what I'm talking about today. Amen. But, you know, Tammy and I, we got married August the 20th, 1988, right here in this sanctuary, just right here on these steps right here, the longest wedding in Victory Center history, an hour and a half wedding. Some of y'all was there. It was crazy, long wedding. But man, Charlie said, when I put you together, I'm going to make sure you stayed together. So here we are, 34 years later, it really worked out well. So, But it's about five years into Tammy and I's um, you know, adult life, being married, that we really... When, and we'd always done this, but you know, God, what do you have for us? God, what are your plans for us? What, what do you want to do with our life? Of course, Tammy being raised, born and raised in Enid, I mean, we'd make the trips back. She's got a lot of family back there. But we really begin to, after about five years here in Guyman, we really begin to feel God drawing us to start a church in Enid that wouldn't be just another church on the street corner. 
If there's one thing that I know about this part of the nation that we live in, there's a lot of churches. You ever wonder that? There's a lot of churches. You know, there's a sense of godliness in this region. I, I am glad that we're in central United States of America. Because if you travel out to the East Coast, the West Coast, it's like, oh, dear God, are we still in the same nation? Come on, when it comes to biblical values, it becomes the sense of God. You know what I'm saying? But as after about five years, we begin to feel this drawn. Is, and for the next several years, we begin to, God, what are you doing? What, what are you calling us to do? God, what are your plans for us? And over those next few years, man, that every time we'd start praying about it, when we'd get into a, a, a worship service, man, praising God, we'd sense the power and the presence of God. We felt this just a stirring. We weren't even thinking about it a lot of times. We, we felt God drawing us to Enid to start a church. And we'd get out of the services and like, man, this is crazy. Why in the world would we ever leave Gaiman, Oklahoma? We'd get through the work day, I'm like, this is good, got a great job, got incredible people at Victory Center Church. How many of y'all, there's some incredible people at Victory Center Church? Amen. Amen. There's about five of y'all thought that. Amen. But let me tell you, come on, look at somebody beside you and tell them, you're incredible. (laughs) But the more that we pursued God and his plans for us, we began to realize this is a plan of God that he has for us. There would be times about, you know, eight years into this thing that we would be in a service, eight, nine years, we'd be in a worship service, the presence of God to be so strong right here in this sanctuary that we would literally be in tears because we felt his voice so strong in our spirit. But it's something we just, it took some time. And, and so, you know, eventually those, you know, our story, we eventually like, we got to go, we got to go. And so we moved to Enid. I tell everybody this. Because when we moved to Enid, we started a church from scratch. Hey, I figured mom and dad did it back in 1977. We can do it. And so we started on January the 11th of 1998 at 6 p.m. at 609 West Purdue up on the north part of Enid. We had our very first church service. And, and I tell people all the time, it's a good thing we were really young and really naive. I mean, I was 30 years of age when we started World Harvest Church in Enid, Oklahoma. And I do want to say this, I'm in good family here, Victory Center Church. We wanted to call it Victory Center Church when we moved over there, but there was already a Victory Center Church there. So Victory Center was already taken. So we called it World Harvest, if you've ever wondered why we're not Victory Center. We, actually, that's where we, what our initial intent was. So we called it World Harvest, World Harvest Church. And so for two weeks, we just went in and advertised, hey, come join us, January 11th, you know, 1998, 6 p.m., 6 on West, West Purdue. Come expect the supernatural. That's the way we started World Harvest Church. We started with 64 people in the very first church service. Very first night, we had 64 people. For the next three months, we had revival in reverse. In other words, we dwindled it down to about 30 people that would show up. In fact, on the first Sunday of February, I'll never forget, I woke up that morning. I'm excited. We'd already had one month under our belt. I'm excited about what God was doing. I was excited about us entering into our, what we felt was our promised land. I was so excited. I remember I told Tammy, I said, there's just something in the air. There's something in the spirit. There's this stirring in my heart. In fact, one of our ladies, if y'all remember Mindy, Ding, Mindy Dingle, it used to be Mindy Schaffer this here. She called us that morning and said, there's just something uh, exciting about this. I just know God's doing something there in Enid, Oklahoma. And we got there. Church started at 1030. I, well, we did 1030. It's because what well, we did here in Victor Center, 1030. And so we are started, you know, we got down there, opened the doors, you know, in case somebody wanted to come early, nobody came early. 10.30 hit, and guess what? Nobody came that day. We had one person show up that was a friend of ours to come to church. So on the first Sunday, we had this promise that we're standing on, 
and nobody was coming to church that day. I remember just sitting there through the worship time like, what are we going to do? But there was something inside of me said, you know what? You prepared the message. Get up and preach the message. I think by the time I got to preach the message, there was two people in the sanctuary that morning. You know what? I got up and preached that message just like it was a house full. That was a benchmark moment, I believe, for us in Enid, Oklahoma. It was a test. Because as that moment, that Sunday forward, I've never had, well, I can't say that. Because the pandemic hit and I had nobody in church service. I had to preach to a camera. I hated it. But it was from that moment forward that God began to pour out his blessings upon us in Enid, Oklahoma, to what World Harvest Church is today, is in that. But there was a promise that Tammy and I was given by God that if we'd simply be obedient, if we'd go to Enid, Oklahoma and be obedient and launch a church that would not be just a church on the street corner, but a church that would make a difference, that he would put his hand upon that. Here we are 24 years later. We've been in a new building for the last five years, a $3 million facility there. We'll see on an average, you know, not, probably not this weekend, a holiday. We'll see about 500 people on a weekend on the average right now, running two services. Whenever Tam and I moved to Enid, Oklahoma, and began to pray, we, one of the first things we did is we, we wrote out what we felt God wanted to do. I remember that writing these things down, that by year number five, that we would have 500 people attending World Harvest Church, by year number five, we would have a brand new church building. You know, even in the first year, we had it written down on this piece of paper, God was going to be running a church of about 200 people. Now, why am I telling you this? God had a promise for us, a promised land. Just like every one of y'all here today, you've got a promise, a promised land. But now the part of the story that I haven't really told you is this. We've been in Enid for 24 years. We moved into a new building six years ago. And just two years ago, so if I could back it up, 22 years we was there before I ever really saw what I felt God had promised us for 22 years. And this is, I just want to share just a couple of real quick thoughts to you here today. Because if there's one thing that I've learned in my short 54 years of life, and how many of you know 54 is not that old? Thank you. I set you up for that. I set you up for that. Wes and Janelle saying, good to see you guys. I didn't even notice you till just now there. So talk about people that are a little older. I mean, that's showing some age. No, I'm just kidding. You know that I've known for a long time. But if there's one thing that I've learned to possess your promise land, to possess your promise. Now, come on. How many of y'all got a promise? I, I, let me take, let me stop. Let me take a quick start. How many of y'all got a promise you're believing God for? Let me see some hands here in this place today. For you to possess your promise, if there's one thing that I've learned, as a guy I'm in high school graduate of 1986, come on, where's my 86 graduates? One over there back there. Come on, 86, class of 86. I'm really showing some age now. If there's one thing that I've learned, to possess your land, it's going to require some resilience. Everybody say resilience. Come on, look at your name and tell me, you've got to be resilient. Come on, to possess, you've got to be resilient. For you to understand this, let me define what possess means. Possess, possess defined as this. It is, means to enter into and to control. To enter into and to control. Everybody say control. To enter into and to 
control. In other words, for us to possess our promise, there's one thing to have it available, but there's another thing to do what? To possess it, to possess it. In other words, if, uh, you know, I was to tell you this here today that, you know, if I was to call mom and say, hey, mom, you know, I, I have ordered a bouquet of roses down at the flower store, and because I've got to run, I can't go pick that up, but I've ordered it, I've already bought, I've already paid for those bouquet of roses because it's going to be closed on Tuesday because, you know, everybody closed on Memorial Day. I need you to go down and Tuesday to pick up your bouquet of roses. Now, knowing mom, first responsible is she is going to be excited because how many of y'all know women like flowers? Come on, husbands, how many of y'all know flowers are not practical? <laughs> but women like flowers, so we should do the flower thing, right? Amen. She could get excited about it. She could go after church. Guess what? Brad bought me a bouquet of roses. Man, whoo, I am so excited. I've got the best son of out of my three kids. Brad is the best. I'm preaching right now. I got the mic so I can call it how I see it, right? You know, uh, he's awesome. And, 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 you know, tomorrow morning she can wake up. Oh, man, my son, he was with us for the weekend. Man, I love my son. He bought us roses. Man, he is my best kid. Again, I still got the mic. So he's the best, you know, and she could get up on Tuesday. Hey, guess what? She can call Sharon. She can call the ladies. Guess what? Brad got me roses, you know, woo-hoo. You know, she can show up on prayer on Wednesday noon. Hey, my son bought me roses while I was here. And how many of y'all know that if she never possessed them, those roses would eventually die at the flower store? There's a difference between having the knowledge of and possession, Right? The children of Israel had a promise. You and I have got a promise. We can get excited about the promise. Woo! Come on, we can get excited about turning graves into gardens. Come on now. Come on, we can get excited about the goodness of God in our life. But how many, you know, we can live and die and never possess the promise. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell them, you got to possess it. So I'm going to give you this, this, this key, one key, main key. That's in three points today. It takes resilience to possess. Everybody say Resilience. And for you to understand, again, resilience defined as this. I, I love definitions. This is just part of the teacher side of me. Resilience defined as this. It is the mental ability to recover quickly. Get this. This is the literal dictionary definition from depression, illness, or misfortune. Come on. Anybody had any misfortune happen in your life before? Come on now. Have we not all? Eugene, Pastor Eugene referenced just a moment ago where Jesus said, John chapter 16, 33, in this world, you're going to have some problems. Come on. How many of y'all have had some problems before? Come on. Anybody have problems this year? Anybody have problems this week? Come on. Anybody had any problems this morning? Come on. This is what we know is problems are just simply a part of life, but resiliency is the ability to recover quickly from these things. Even the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services defines resilience as this, as the ability to withstand, to adapt to, and to recover, look at this, from adversity and stress. Mm. Resilient. How resilient are you? How resilient? Now, we have been dealt a, a, a ministry challenge over these last six months that none of us saw coming when our pastor ended up transitioning to heaven. Come on, how many of y'all, that is something that not one of us expected? As mom and I stood at his grave yesterday and laid that reef, was, that's one thing's like, who would have known a year ago we'd be doing this now? How many of y'all know life happens? In other words, resilience 
can manifest as, as maintaining or returning to one's original state or mental health or well-being or reaching a more mature and well-developed state of mental health or well-being by properly coping with the situations that we face. Now, when it comes to material things, another definition of resilience is this. It is the physical property of material that can resume its shape after being stretched or deformed. It is the elasticity of a material. Resiliency. Everybody say resiliency. Come on, look at your name and ask him, how resilient are you? In other words, it's the principle of this. It's the ability, sum it up in this, it's the ability to bounce back. It's the ability to recover. It's the ability to get your feet back up underneath you again. Let me just illustrate this here right now. Resiliency is basically this baseball here. It's got a resiliency level to it. It's got an elasticity to it. The elasticity, metal, material, whatever, it says an elasticity. You know, you talk to like Milton Walker as a welder with metal. Metal's got an elasticity. There's a breaking point to that. Everything has a breaking point, the elasticity. So this baseball, when it is thrown down, it responds. Wow, what is underneath this thing? But it responds in a certain way. There, whatever I hit, there must be a loose board there or something. There's a resiliency level to that. This here, this is a pickleball. This is one of my hobbies that, uh, in my life that I've been doing for the last few years. I play pickleball. Any other pickleball players here at Victory Center Church? Hey, we got some pickleball players back here. We got to play. I got, I got to, first, I, I'm very competitive when it comes to pickleball. But pickleball, it is, it's kind of like the halfway point between ping pong and tennis. You play on a court, you play with a paddle, and this is a pickleball. But this pickleball, it has a resiliency level. It's got an ability to respond to being thrown down. But it is a little better than the baseball, right? Now, again, now this is a racquetball. Now, a racquetball, whenever it is thrown down, how does it respond? It responds a whole lot better than the baseball. So all three of these balls put in the same situation, how many responses do we see? Three different responses. I can, you can take the same force applied to all three, but they respond in three different, there's three different outcomes to the force that is applied to it. This is what I'm saying. This is an example of resiliency in our life. Which one of these do you relate to? Now, what is interesting to me is what determines the resiliency or the elasticity of these threes is the material that it's made up of. You'll find this baseball is very, very hard. If I was to throw this baseball at you, you would feel it because it's very hard. The pickleball, not so bad. It's still got a hard outside, but it's hollow on the inside. It responds in a certain way. But this old racquetball, this thing is made of material that is meant to respond when it is thrown down or hit or whatever. It is going to, it is going to just take off. It's going to bounce back in that. It's made in the, what's, what's, what's on the inside. What's the material? This is what I'm saying here in my message today. For us to possess what God has promised us, you're going to have to remain soft. You're going to have to remain pliable. Because when life happens, you can either grow hard, bitter, mad, frustrated, disappointed, offended. Or you can take life as it comes and stay soft, pliable. How can you do that? There's a couple things I want to just keep before our eyes here this morning. So let's just look at something here right quick. My second thought that I want to drop in our heart is this. 
to develop a resiliency, we got to keep our focus. Everybody say, keep your focus. Come on, say, keep your focus. Come on, let me hear you say it again. Keep your focus. Keep your focus on what? Do we keep our focus on the problem? No, we got to keep our focus on what God, where God is taking you. You look at the story that Pastor Margaret shared last week about the children of Israel, Numbers chapter 13, whenever God gave my promise. Man, how many of y'all know if you spent a lot of years in slavery, how many of y'all know that the thought of being free is very exciting, right? It's kind of like a Chevy truck lover getting ready to get a Ford, like, oh my gosh, I'm finally going to get free, going to get a Ford truck, you know, come that's not a good illustration. I know that's not. But come on, there, there's this anticipation for something better. There's an anticipation. Now, let me ask you the question. Uh, now, this is kind of a tricky situation, so I'm trying to ask it in a very theological way. How many of y'all can look at your life and say, yeah, I know there's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's something more. Amen. I, there, I'm going to get it to it here in just a moment. There's a part of being content and being satisfied, but there's another part that, man, I need it. I want all that God's got for me, right? Victory Center Church, do we want more, for, do, do we want more of what God's got for us and what we're experiencing today? Amen. Come on. Do we want to experience what God's going to do, not just here in this building, but when we get out to the new building, how many of y'all are ready to experience the expansion and the increase of influence that God's going to bring in this region? Anybody? Amen. So in other words, we, we've got to understand uh, this principle in this, that there is a focus that we have to re- have in our life for us to ever receive, for us, let me rephrase that, for us to ever experience what God's got for us. Whenever Tammy and I moved over to Enid, Oklahoma, and we started the church that first February, nobody showed up to church for two people. Let me tell you, there was the opportunity to lose my focus. Because I'll be really honest, and I'm standing here on this stage at Victory Center Church, the thought came to my mind, we made a mistake, we need to go back to Guyman. And my mom would have been so excited. And even me saying that here on this stage 24 years later, she's like, yes! But I knew what God had told us to do. I've learned this over my life. It takes resiliency to experience your promise. And the reason we being, because anytime you step out in faith, there's always the, the wilderness test, the testing of the fire. Jesus, even himself, he was tested after he was anointed to start the earthly ministry, where did he go immediately? What was his first step? He went to the wilderness. What was the purpose of the wilderness? To test him, to test him. See, on the journey to possess, there will be many challenges. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Man, I, I, I remember those days, early days of starting World Harvest Church out there. And I'm like, we kept having these people come to our church that had issues. I man, I, God give me a church with, there's full of people without issues. And suddenly the Lord spoke to me and says, that's your mission. I remember hearing a pastor one day said he was a pastor, of, had 5,000 people come into his church. And he, he made a statement. He said, you know, you got to realize the size of the church that we are. He says, we've always got somebody in a crisis. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I, I, I want to hear that the bigger you get, the easier it gets. I want to hear the more people you have, just more people love you. I wanted to hear that. I didn't want to hear that other. But this is what I've learned. Man, I tell you, on the journey to where we're at today, what God's doing in our life, and I appreciate the season of life that we're in. I appreciate the season that World Harvest Church is in in Enid, Oklahoma. But you know what? There's, I've had a lot of people issues. We've had budget issues. We've got all kinds of issues. So I've learned this, that issues are just part of the package. But I've got to keep my focus when I'm having an issue. All right? Y'all remember the story of Peter walking on the water? He got out, Jesus called him out of the boat 
He starts walking on the water. I don't know about you, but how many of you know that's pretty cool? Supernatural took place that night. But in that story, it says that he began to notice the wind and the waves. What are the wind and the waves? The wind and the waves, anytime you see that in Scripture, that represents the challenges and the issues of life. What happened to Peter when he got his eyes on the circumstances? Scripture says he did what? He, he began to sink. He began to sink. I'm convinced of this. In that moment, in that time, whenever Peter began to sink, if he would have just got his focus back on Jesus, he would have popped right back out of that water again. Amen? We, we have challenges in life. How, how many of y'all know we're living in crazy times? Right? Come on, we're living in crazy times. I mean, man, for, as soon as church is over, my, my, my gas tank is sitting on E. I've got to go gas up before I head back to Enid. I'm gonna, it's going to cost me, basically, uh, T. John, $100 to gas my truck back up to get back home. You know, and it, and it gets pretty decent gas mileage. I mean, groceries. Tammy and I went to the grocery store here, you know, the other day. Could, didn't even have enough groceries to fill up the bottom of the basket, and it was 140 bucks. Come on, how many of y'all know we're living in crazy times? Come on, Victory Center Church, we're building a building that started out and estimated probably about $3 million to build, you know, and we've got $2 million raised so far, you know, $1 million. But now they're saying it could be over $4 million. How many of y'all know this is crazy times, right? But it's in the midst when life happens that we got to keep our focus. Got to keep your focus on what? You got to keep your focus on the Word of God. What is the promise? What is the promise? See, you're sitting, some of y'all are sitting here today and says, you know what, there's a promise I used to believe God for, but I didn't, I'm not seeing it now, so I forgot about it. Listen, dust it off, get it back out again. It's time to keep standing on the word of God. Keep our focus up on the Lord. What a crazy times we're living in, right? This week has been a roller coaster in this world. We started out the week, you know, come on, our hearts go out to those that are grieving in Texas uh, down there with the school shooting. How many know that's tragic? Just amazing as I've watched the gamut of life happen. We go from 21 people being killed in a tragedy to these graduations going on, these big celebrations. We see these from tragedy to triumphs. And that's just a picture of life for us today. But it's in the midst of those moments, in the midst of those woo, praise times, in the midst of those heartbreaking times, we got to keep our focus, right? See, there are things in life that are simply out of our control. There's things you can't control. I've learned this. There are things that are out of our control. But I heard a pastor say this one time, even when life seems to be out of control, we can still be in control. Come on, when things are happening around us we can't control, we can still be on control on the inside. I heard a man tell me one time, he said, there's two things that you can control. Number one is your attitude, and number two, your work ethic. In other words, what's going on, those things that are the inside is what you control. You control the inside and what the output is of that, Amen. We can stay in control. And how do we do that? We got to keep our focus on the word of God. I like what, what Paul said in Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. Look at this real quick with me here. We'll throw it up on the screen. And this is the NIV translation. In fact, I went out, my Sunday morning routine here when I'm in Guyman is, you know, I, we stay at mom's house. We leave early. I always go by the new church building. I'll get out, walk around, get out and pray. Did that this morning. Somebody had this scripture written there. When you walk in there on the right side, whoever wrote that scripture, this, I'm going to read it but I'm gonna read out of the NIV, it says this. Paul speaking, he says this, I know what it is to be in need. He says, I know what it is to have plenty. He says, I have learned. Everybody say learn. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in, in any and what every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one. He goes on and says this, verse 13, I can do all things through his 
through him who gives me strength. New King James, old King James, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 4, 13 was the very first scripture that mom and dad had us memorize as kids. When I was a little kid, I still remember back whenever uh, Pastor Charlie went to Rainbow Bible Training Center. We lived in uh, Bixby area there and going from uh, the panhandle of Texas where we lived at in Perryton to the Tulsa area in August. You ever been to eastern Oklahoma in August? I was talking to Tammy last night. Just, you know, I, she said, man, was it hot in Gaiman? I said, yeah, man, it was 106. And I said, you know what? 106 in Gaiman doesn't feel like 106 over on the other side of the state because we got the humidity to deal with. And I can remember as a second grader out playing soccer. Man, and I, you know, I'd get tired. The, 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 the heat would begin to, and I could always remember my dad on the sideline. He'd start yelling out, Philippians 4, 13. I'd be running out here, my, who's that crazy parent? Oh, that's my dad. What's my dad saying? Philippians 4.13. Oh, yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I love that. Parents, that's the best, one of the best verses you can have your kids memorize. But you put it into context. What did Paul say I can do all things about? He said, I can do all things. He says, I've learned how to have it a lot, and I've learned how to live with little. In other words, Paul was saying this. He says, I've learned how to be content in every circumstance of life. Circumstance. And this is what's intriguing to me. He says, I've learned it. I've learned it. So here's the dilemma we have. How do we be people of faith, but yet be content? This is the key to it. As you're on your journey to the promise, we cannot let our heart be disquieted. We can't get it, let the circumstances running around us discourage us. We've got to avoid the frustration of life. Amen. How do we do that? Stay focused. Where's God taking you? Victory Center Church, even through this pandemic, when materials are just skyrocketing, we gotta stay focused on God's promise. No matter how much that building costs out there, come on, how many of y'all believe or believing with us? God's gonna meet that need in Jesus' name. Come on, we've seen $2 million come in. It still blows me away. $2 million has come in, has been raised by this church for that building out there. Hey, if we've got to raise another $2 million, bless God, let's do it. Amen? If we've got to raise $3 million, come on, how many of y'all believe in God with us? Let's do it. Come on, he's provided every need up to this point. Amen? Has he brought us this far to stop now? No. Look at somebody beside and tell him, I've got to keep my focus. Got to keep your focus. Third and final thing here. Let me wrap up with this. In order for us to develop a resiliency in our life, you've got to keep your feet up. Let me, let me just share this. Come on, everybody say, keep your feet up. Now, I know as I stand here on this stage today that I look like a very wonderful, very caring, very loving man. Do I not? Yeah. Many of y'all know my sister, my younger sister, Kim, right? I've got an older brother, Quentin, three and a half years older than me. I call him my older little brother because those of you know Quentin, he's shorter than I am there. Uh, I, I boast to be the tallest in the, the kids, the siblings. And so uh, Kim and I, you know, I, I, I don't know why, but we fought like cats and dogs as kids. I was, we was always picking on her. She was picking on me. We just did it. And, and so there was this one time, of course, you know, um, this is crazy. The things that you do as kids, you know, parents, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe mom and dad ever let us do these things. It's crazy. But I remember this one time we had this boat, it was, you know, a fishing boat that Quentin, Kim, and I decided we're going to take down to Lake Meredith. Now, I don't remember how old I am. I just know I'm probably junior high, maybe early high school years. Quentin, he's, he's still got to be in school because he was still here. And so I don't know why mom and dad said, you know, well, yeah, go ahead and take the boat. I'm like, if my kids would ask that when they're still in junior high school, I said, absolutely not. You ain't going to do that thing. 
But Charlie let us take the boat down to Kenton. So Quentin, myself, and Kim in the boat. And so it was right during this time that this big headline came out in the newspaper from eastern Oklahoma that there was this young kid that was water skiing. He fell, and all of a sudden, he started going underwater. He'd go underwater. He'd come up, start screaming, ah! His mom and dad's trying to figure out what's going on. They finally got over there to him, got him in the boat, and he had all these scratches down his leg. Well, come to find out this big catfish had come. The kid had fallen in the water and grabbed his leg and was trying to drag him down. But because he had this life jacket on, he could, the catfish couldn't get him under the water. And so Quentin and me, being the loving brothers that we were with young Kim, the younger sister, we got out there in Lake Merritt at the middle of the lake and we're like talking about the story that we'd heard and we started talking about the big catfish there in Lake Merritt and you could see this fear just come over Kim's face. And so Quentin and I, being the loving brothers that we were, we kept agging her on. And then being the loving brothers that we were, we, we was stopped out in the middle of the lake talking about these big catfish. And, like, and so we grabbed a hold of her and said, you know, we're talking, and, and we's like, we're going to throw you over. And she is screaming with everything she can. And us being the loving brothers that we were, guess what we did? We threw her over. We threw her over. She is kicking. She is screaming. We threw her over. She had a life jacket on. You got to understand this, okay? We threw her over. Of course, the force of her weight going in the water took her down under the water. So she went under the water, and the first things that came up out of the water was her legs. <laughs> it was her feet. Her feet was the first things that come out of that water. We laughed like, what are you doing? She says, if there's a catfish in here, I'm not giving them anything to grab a hold of. And so we're still asking for forgiveness for her from that, what we did to her with the torment. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Keep your feet up. In other words, stay strong in the midst of adversity. Stay strong. Do everything that you can. So number one, you got to keep your focus. Everybody say, keep your focus. Number two, come on, say, stay strong. This is what I'm saying. Do whatever you got to do to survive. You can do it. Come on, you can do it. Everybody say, I can do it. Ephesians chapter six says this, when you've done all to stand, having done all to stand, verse 14 says, stand therefore. Everybody say stand. Stand therefore. Stand therefore. There's a principle that we need to realize that if we will just keep standing, we will make it and we will overcome. Do you know why World Harvest Church in Eden, Oklahoma is successful after 24 years? Because we didn't give up. Do you know why Victory Center Church is still here today, 44 years later, and building a new building that has been up on the heart of, of Pastor Charlie and Margaret for ever since they began this year? Do you know why they're still? Because they still stand. They're still, you know, Charlie's still with us in my spirit, but, you know, mom's still here. Come on, they had opportunities. I remember opportunities as they had to leave. I'm in Oklahoma. You know what? Not, there's been seasons not everybody liked them. Not everybody was nice to them. But they had a promise. They kept standing, kept showing. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10 says this. Look at this for a scripture. New King James, and I'm about done. Proverbs 24, 10 says this. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Message Bible says it this way. Listen to this, Message Bible. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, <laughs> there wasn't much to you in the first place. Come on, how resilient are you today? Come on, how focused are you today? Come on, are you resilient today? Every time, you know, the children of Israel encountered difficulty in that story, possessing the promise, you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to go back. How stupid is that? To go back what God delivered you out of. 
I'm here to tell you today, come on, keep standing, keep your focus, you're gonna make it. You're gonna inherit your promise, amen? Listen to this statement, the race doesn't go to the swiftest, but it goes to those who will endure. Those who endure. Are you committed to the long haul of the promised land that God's got before you? What are you made of today? Proverbs 24, verse 16 says this, New Living Translation says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Come on, you may face time after time of tragedy, but the righteous get up again. Come on, where are those that are resilient today? Where's the attitude of the pioneers today that settled this land? Could you imagine being a pioneer, being some of the first people to settle this land? Man, it just amazes me. Could you imagine being the first time, the ones that pioneered this place, didn't have roads, didn't have air conditioning? 106 and 40 mile an hour winds, no air conditioning? Come on, how many of y'all know those that settle this land, they're tough? Come on, how many of y'all know those that settle this land, no iced tea? Come on, no shopping? I know mom thinks she's in the wilderness out here because there are no Dillard's next door, but you know, come on. There's a spirit of resilience that is in this area. My question to every one of y'all today, are you part of that? Do you have that same resilient spirit? Let me close with this and I'm done. Our hearts, you know, still break that uh, Pastor Charlie's not with us. You know, this was a big year for Pastor Charlie. March would have been his 80th birthday. July would have been their 60th wedding anniversary. November would have been 45 years here. Back up about nine years, a little more than nine years ago, whenever Pastor Charlie just turned 70, mom and dad were celebrating 50 years and 35 years of the church. This is a very significant year. And I remember calling Charlie up. We was talking, having one of our conversations that we always had. And I just got to talking to him about it. I don't remember what time of year. I was like, man, this is a cool year. I mean, here you are. I mean, you just turned 70 years of age. I know you're not excited about it, but that's a benchmark year, right? You know, 50 years of marriage. Come on, staying married for 50 years. How many of y'all know that's, that's something to celebrate, right? 35 years, Victory Center Church. I mean, that is awesome. Because, you know, I know the backstory. There's a lot of story I know that you don't know. They had opportunities to leave many times, many times. I asked him, I said, man, that's pretty cool. Look at all that God's done. I said, how'd you do it? Because I know the story. How did you do that? I mean, you're in best shape you've ever, you know, 70 years of age, being better shape than 40-year-old and 50-year-old. Y'all, you know, Charlie, he was always like that. How'd you do it? You know, in, in Charlie fashion, he just kind of hem-hawed around for a moment. But then he said this. He says, you know what? I, I guess I just kept showing up. Never been able to forget those words. Just kept showing up. Church, as we stand here at the verge of possessing a promise, as you walk on your journey to your promise, I just want to leave you with those last few words from Pastor Charlie. I just kept showing up. It's a principle. You keep showing up, guess what? You're going to possess it. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victor Center with a financial donation. 
You may do so today via the online giving portal at VictoryCenter.org. Thank you.